Welcome to the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and today the crew has the day off, allowing them to enjoy a prosperous and restful Father's Day. So once again, listening to this to all of you who are listening as of the date of this recording, hope you all have a great and restful Father's Day. Appreciate all the dads out there for everything that you do. All of my crew, they're all fathers, and we'll let them enjoy their time with their kids and their family. So I'm riding solo today, but no worries about that. Also, want to wish everyone a momentous and also happy Juneteenth that just passed this past weekend. And a lot of people out there starting to get the significance of the holiday Juneteenth. And hopefully it gets the recognition that it deserves coming in the next few years. Just want to take the time to thank all of our listeners worldwide across the United States and all across the globe. Love to see you all checking in from so many different places. And of course, a special shout out to my listeners, uh, places like California, New York, Georgia, Texas, Florida, Canada, the United Kingdom, France, Spain. Also, shout out to Turkey. Had a very nice message earlier this week on Twitter from a gentleman who listens in Turkey he was commenting on our episode seven for most steps black on both sides. So please keep the comments coming. We want to hear from you on social media. Please let us know what you think and some of the things that you like so we can keep the content. We do it here all for you. And as always, we like to take you back and chop it up over the classics. Our motto here at the vault classic music reviews is hashtag open the vault hashtag MBTC or nothing but the classics. And we have yet another good one here today. Right in lining of its 30th anniversary, I'm speaking none other than the third studio album by classic hip-hop duo Eric B. and the microphone god, the fiend, the 18th letter, Rakim. Let the Rhythm Hit Him, released on June 19, 1990, so 30 years ago. This was the third album that followed Eric B. and Rakim's debut, Paid in Full, which came out in 1987 and Follow the Leader, which came out in 1988. This was released on June 19th, 1990. Recorded at Power Play Studios in Long Island, New York, Libra Digital Sound in Long Island, New York, Skip Sailor Recording in Los Angeles, and A&M Studios in Hollywood, California. Now, this has a runtime of 54 minutes and 16 seconds, released on MCA Records. Executive produced by Eric B., also did some producing by DJ Mark the 45 King, Large Professor, and the late Paul C., who undertook the majority of the production for this album, but was murdered in 1989 during the making of this album, so therefore it stood on the shoulders of the group, the 45 King, and a young Large Professor at that time to get the album finished. That's where we are with Let the Rhythm Hit Him, the third studio album of Eric B. and Rock Kim. Now, we mentioned about Paul C. He was murdered in 1989, so Large Professor was still pretty much an unknown producer at that time, but it started to work with some people in the industry, and at this time, this was when Large Professor was forming the group Main Source, and for those of you who remember, 
the group made Source, which came out with its debut album, Breaking Adams, in 1991, was made up of Large Professor Sir Scratch and K-Cut, who were from Toronto. But at that time, he was still relatively unknown, but he was a mentor of Paul C. Now, Paul C., for those who remember, is one of the iconic figures of the glory days in the golden age of hip-hop, the first golden age I like to refer to during the late 80s, that period between 1986 and 1990. He was very innovative with his mixing. He was a great mixing engineer, uh, worked with a number of different hip-hop acts, organized Confusion, Ultramagnetic MCs, Eric B. and Rakim, Mikey D. and the L.A. Posse, was innovative in his sampling techniques using the SP-1200, which a number of different producers of that time period and going into the 90s used. So he was a pioneer, producer, engineering, and mixer in the 80s, but then he was murdered on July 17th, 1989, right in smack dab in the middle of doing this album. So a lot of it was unfinished. At this point, Large Professor stepped in along with DJ Mark the 45 King to help finish the production on the album. Now, a lot of these things were already in progress with Paul C., and Large Professor had a, the task of having to finish a lot of them. Uh, he helped confirm that he did do all of the In the Ghetto, which is track number three on Let the Rhythm Hit Him. And he also had drum programming for No Omega and Step Back. Now, the rest of the productions assumed to have been handled by Rock Kim and also by his uh, brother, who was Steve Blast Griffin. There's the album engineer, Patrick Adams. Now, Paul C. did produce Keep Him Eager, Listen, and Set Him Straight. A lot of these things were samples that he started working on with Rakim while the album production was going on before he was murdered. The bonus track on the CD version of Let the Rhythm Hit Him was done by DJ Mark, the 45 King, who had done some beats for Eric B. and Rakim on Follow the Leader. Now, because of his involvement in the production, Large Professor was pretty much chosen as the ghost producer. And he also did ghost production as well on Cool G Rap and DJ Polo's second album, which was Wanted Dead or Alive, which also came out in 1990. He didn't get any credits on this album, though. So uh, DJ Mark, the 45 King, and Large Professor and Paul C. are not credited as in the album liner notes for being producers on Let the Rhythm Hit Him. But it's been well known over the last 30 years since this album has come out. So many of the different secrets happen, and we find this with a lot of the classic albums that come out, that after a while... You find out some of the things behind the scenes will happen as the stories start to emerge as the time goes on. So Let the Rhythm Hit Him had three singles. The singles that they had, the first one was In the Ghetto. Um, the other one was Let the Rhythm Hit Him, which was the highest charting single. And then Mahogany didn't chart, but it was a memorable song for a number of different reasons. And we'll get into that in just a little while. So 10 tracks on the original Let the Rhythm Hit Him with the bonus track on the CD, which was the 45 King 12-inch vocal version remix. 10 tracks with one track that was a special track that was a DJ mix done by Eric B. Made My Day. Eric B. contributing the scratches and turntable work on that one. But just to get a little bit into my reaction to this album when I first heard it, I was very late into getting onto this album. In 1990, as many of you may know, I was only eight years old when this album came out. <laughs> I was just really starting to get into music, but I was never not really that in tune with hip hop until maybe a couple of years after that. I was familiar with a few of the retro Eric B and Rakim tracks that came out on the radio, but I didn't really get into Rakim heavy until I was in high school when I saw that Rakim was releasing his solo album, which was the 18th letter, which I had studied hip hop at that point in time 
and known that Rakim was a prominent figure when it came into being a lyricist. Studying that rhyming, producing, I grew an appreciation for Rakim and his mastery of being able to MC. Literally, a master of ceremony, <laughs> aka move the crowd, like he said on one of his songs as well. But I wanted to dig in back into the discography of Eric B and Rakim to see what I was missing out on. Of course, I went through all four of their albums, paid in full, followed the leader, don't sweat the technique, and eventually let the rhythm hit him. And found things that I liked and saw were the basis of not just what he was doing as an MC, but then I saw a lot of things in there that you see a lot of MCs of that day when I was in high school. You could see a lot of them got their rhyme techniques and stylings after Rakim. Now, Rakim, as I like to say, is one of the four lyrical titans, or a.k.a. the lyrical Mount Rushmore, meaning that they are the progenitors of a lot of intricate rhyme styles and lyrical techniques. You look to these four MCs, Rakim, Big Daddy Kane, KRS-One, and Cool G-Rap. <laughs> now, I guarantee you, if you talk about an MC or a rapper being lyrical, you can go to any one of those four MCs and you can trace their lineage back on the influence of any one of these MCs that we consider to be lyrical. And you can trace it back to any one of those four. I guarantee you. Even now, you can go and look back at any one of those. And Rakim, we already know what his influence was on the game. He's widely considered by many people to be the best lyricist in hip-hop history. Now, some people may say Big Daddy Kane. Some will say Coogee Rap. Some may even say KRS-One, but that is a debate for another day. However, when I finally started to get into the Eric B. and Rakim discography, what I started noticing is that the great works with the scratches as well, the production, and Rakim's rhyme style, of course. And as, you, as I started to get through each one of the albums, I started noticing there was a progression in Rakim's lyrical style. And then as he got towards the end of it, you noticed that his tone was a little bit more aggressive and a little bit darker. And you could definitely tell by what maturity, how his voice matured, you could also see his skills progress as well. When I got to this one, I noticed a noticeable difference between follow the leader and let the rhythm hit him. Now that was back then. I grew a fond appreciation for it even at that time. It sounded very different and very foreign to me, as many albums did that came out in 1990 that I've listened to either back then and now. But listening to it this week, I think I've listened to this album more than any other album leading up to a week of, re of a review than I ever have. And that's saying something. Because I think when the first couple of times I listened to it this week, I think I was a little underwhelmed. And I know that may sound strange, but when I was listening to it, I really didn't see anything that sort of drew me in. But then after a couple of listens, I took a break from listening to it and I came back again to it a couple of days later with a new set of ears, per se. I had to sort of take my, my ears off and I had to recondition them to go in with a fresh state of mind again. And what I noticed was the third or fourth times that I listened to them, I grew a much deeper appreciation for this album. Then I also did my research as well. And there's a number of different people who did a lot of perspectives in regards to this album it's one of the uh, momentous albums, especially not just in 1990, but in the 90s period. The prestige that this album gathered as a result of what happened. This is one of the few albums that in the source, they originally gave it a five mic rating when they rated it originally on its release. And just to give you an idea, upon their original release, no other Eric B. and Rakim album, I believe, received a five mic rating. 
that's <laughs> that's when it was actually one of the few albums that received one period, but no other album, including Paid in Full, which eventually I think after they did the re-ratings later on, they did eventually give Paid in Full a five mic rating. But this was the first one out of their original ratings that got a five mic rating. Then to also look at some of the interviews that had happened and to see the impact that it had earlier this week, actually on Juneteenth, the 30th anniversary to the day, Eric B and Rakim did a live performance, a streaming performance where they went, they did it on caffeine TV, which was online. They got back together. They reunited. They did something similar about three years ago on the 30th anniversary for paid in full. And it was uh, good to be able to see them get back together especially because they split after Don't Sweat the Technique, but they are an iconic duo in hip-hop history. But when I went and listened to it again on the fourth and fifth listen and really dug into Rakim's rhymes, and you can sort of get sidetracked when listening to this album that it seems as though, you know, everybody knows Ra's voice. It's monotone, right? For the most part, there's not any really variations in his voice. You're not going to get, a you know, amped-up energy the energy that he has comes with the energy that he's spitting with. And it's not really going to be, you're not going to get DMX styling from this or even old LL Cool J or Run or any of that. What you're going to get is lyrical proficiency with not a lot of glamour and not a lot of glitz and not a lot of hype. It's not going to urge you to get up out of your seat <laughs> and dance, but for head nod quality, which I like to say is music that you sit, nod your head, and you take it in, and you listen, and you absorb everything that you've heard. When you get that, and then you process it in your mind, backed up by the soundtrack of these beats, I was just like, damn, man, thinking back in the day now in 1990, and you have to think, I've mentioned about who the lyrical titans I thought were of that day, and there are a few others that we can throw in there as well around that time. Definitely Lord Finesse was another one. We did the Funky Technician earlier this year. You can add in Ice Cube. You can add in a few other, you know, MCs during that time that were lyrical titans, but that he was the best of the best. When Rakim was on top of his game, lyric for lyric, there weren't many MCs out there that could even compete with him. It's just like, damn. So I can see now why this album is so highly regarded because it took me a little while for me to listen to it. And the reason being is because this is an unconventional album in the fact that you listen to this album, there are no hooks. <laughs> There's no hooks, no chorus lines. The only thing you hear are cuts of instrumentals and scratches. That's what the hooks are. And the hooks are so short that you might miss them if you're not paying attention. Because what this album is packed for on nine tracks of rhyming is power packed with verse after verse after verse after verse. What you get from here is you have Rakim rhyming these verses that aren't your traditional, like we say, your 16-bar verse. Like that's what rappers do. A lot of rappers do from, shoot, I would say even in the mid-90s all the way up until now. Maybe even they do less than 16 bars now because kids are weird nowadays. What you got are like these 32-bar extra-long verses. And what's impressive to me about this more than anything else is the fact that Rakim is spitting these extra long verses and he's spitting them at a BPM and a, in a tempo that's faster than what I was accustomed to listening to hip hop. When I was in my formative years, we're talking about 110 BPM, 120, 125 BPM. And he's going and it's rapid fire. And these words are coming out. Boom, 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 boom. And it feels like he's not even taking a breath when he's doing them. That's one of the other impressive things about Rakim as an MC. 
when you talk about his breath control, I mean, it's on full display here on Let the Rhythm Hit Him on every one of these tracks that you sit there and listen to him. And when you listen to Rock him in his interviews, when he describes how he writes rhymes and he talks about the amount of blocks and he has 16 blocks or whatever he puts them. And he says, based on however many bars he has, he has this many syllables. So he works and fits as many rhymes as he possibly can as it works in beat and in rhythm. And once he knows he has that filled up, he goes to the next one. I mean, even thinking about that in my head, right? Cause I've heard that interview and I've heard him say that to like three or four different people's when he's done an interview over these last three or four years, it still blows my mind that it's like this dude takes rhyming and emceeing and writing and his pen game to a whole nother level where most MCs won't even put a second thought into writing their rhymes. This was like a science project for him. It was literally like constructing a finely tuned chemistry experiment. That's why they call him the God MC guys. That's why he's the God MC rock him, but (laughs) into it that's how I felt about it back then and now and I listened to this probably about six or seven times in total this week because I wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything and I felt like I got a good hold of it after a while and sometimes you have to step outside of yourself when you're reviewing these albums to not just see what your perspective is but what everybody else's perspective was and then because I was so young at that time I like to go back and read the perspective of people who where they are present and that was their formative years and what they thought. And they've all given me the similar type of feedback. We're not going to get into some of the highlights on here and there's not many things to go through. It's only a 10 song album. That's it. Just like Illmatic (laughs) and nine songs worth of rhyming all the way through. And the runtime here, as we mentioned for a 10 track album is actually pretty long for 54 minutes and 16 seconds, but there are some long songs on here. Like I said, there's some verses that go on for 32 bars up to 32 bars. And there's like songs that have three or four verses in here. Like Rod Rod just goes rhymes, 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 rhymes. Of course the highlights let the rhythm hit him, which comes up and it just hits you hard right off the break. No Omega, which, you know, he spits as well in the ghetto, which is one of the best things that he does here. One of the things that Rakim instituted into this album was the fact that he started storytelling on these on let the rhythm hit him. You didn't see a lot of that on either paid in full or follow the leader. You saw the stories develop in a few of the tracks that he did here on let the rhythm hit him. Step back was a pretty cool one. Eric B made my day was interesting for me to hear that. Cause you hear that break beat. And then there are the samples that are on the Eric B made my day, which included um, the track that I am, that I noticed immediately. That was the Chuck's Chuck Brown uh, sample for busting loose. Now, for those who aren't familiar with that one, Eric B made my day was busting loose by Chuck Brown and the soul searchers by 1978. I feel like busting loose. I feel like busting loose. Everybody knows that track. It's famous. Funky President by James Brown. James Brown has sampled a lot and let the rhythm hit him. I mean, it's ridiculous. His vocal samples and the tracks that he has in here is a lot, a lot of samples in here. And of course, the one goddamn that DJ just made my day by Run DMC, Peter Piper. I mean, it was it was long and I, it probably was a little bit long for me. If I do have a low light, it's probably the fact that that sample went for about five minutes and it could have been about two minutes shorter and I would have been fine with it. One for cover is a really great one as well. Great imagery in that track. Untouchables is a track for me that beyond just the tracks that everyone points to here on Let the Rhythm Hit Them with the title track, within the ghetto, with Run for Cover, with Mahogany, 
I think Untouchables just might be right up there with my favorite tracks on here because of the beat that's on there and also the way that Rakim spits. That is probably one of my favorite ones on there. Right up there with the rest of them, Let the Rhythm Hit them in the ghetto and run for cover. Mahogany. Now, sort of to get into what Mahogany offers in a track. <laughs> this was a down tempo. And when I mean down tempo, we mentioned here, what we saw was big, fast, up-tempo tracks, 110, 120 BPM and faster. And this was a down tempo track that was a story that Rob was talking about him doing the show at a Palladium, him and Eric B. And he meets a chick named Mahogany. And he's trying to balance this whole thing of trying a quarter and then also making sure he gets his show done. But he's also got his minds on taking her back to the crib later and chopping it up and doing, you know what, you know, really, really down tempo track. And this song actually has been sampled in a few songs. And for those who have listened to Mahogany, that drum beat is fairly similar to what's beef by Notorious Big on Life After Death. But you hear that sample of New York State of Mind, which was sampled in New York State of Mind by Nas and also New York State of Mind 2 by Nas on I Am. But the track that it samples is a Al Green track, I'm Glad You're Mine. And if for my Al Green fans out there, if you listen to the track, you can hear the sample. But this track, Mahogany, though, is a favorite of a lot of Rakim fans. I'm not really a huge fan of Mahogany, but I can see its significance, though, because this was one of those love slash women ballads and everything like that, which would become very prominent going into the early 90s. So Rob was sort of ahead of his time when he was doing stuff like this because you saw a lot of this done heading up in the late in the well later would be done frequently by LO Cool J it would definitely be done by a lot of love love rappers things that were done by early Prince Rock came aka the RZA <laughs> and so many different other things you would see going into the 90s it's a down tempo track so it's different from a lot of the tracks here on Let the Rhythm Hit Him and that's a staple rock camp track when he goes and does performances. I've seen him perform a few times. This has been in his set list quite a few times. Keep him eager to listen, sort of pips the tempo back up, and then set him straight to me, I think, ends the album on a good note. The great thing that I love about this beyond the rhymes is the samples that were used on here and the production, the drum breaks. The great thing that I love about this production style at this point in time in the 90s was the fact that the drum breaks were so... Uh, I mean, hard hitting. And it was just like, you know, picking up the tempo, the fact that they were going that fast. And to think about somebody doing something like that, like rhyming on those type of drum breaks now at that tempo is almost unfathomable to think about it. I mean, nobody's rhyming the beats like that anymore. And even back then, that was considered to be, you know, I mean, that was the style of, you know, beats back then were usually that fast. You saw not only Rakim sort of rapping like that, but... You saw Big Daddy Kane starting to rap like that. You saw other hip-hop acts late in the 80s and early 90s that were rapping to fast, hard-charging beats, and the beats were full of energy. And then you see the vocal samples that that were that happened in this. Just to give you an idea of some of the other uh, samples that ha were here in the ghetto was 24 Karat Black, Ghetto Misfortunes Wealth. We talked about the Poverty's Paradise, which was by 24 Karat Black, which was sampled by Naughty by Nature with KG on production. Kissing My Love by Bill Weathers, also in the ghetto. Uh, the Let the Rhythm Hit Him, the title track. Three samples in particular that I point to. The Assembly Line by the Commodores, 
Night on Boulder Mountain or by Bob James and Joyous by Pleasure. Untouchables, Oliloquy Valley by Herbie Hancock. Herbie Hancock's a favorite of a lot of hip-hop producers. Bumping on Young Street by Young Holt and Limited. And Run for Cover, Sexy Coffee Pop by Tony Alvon and the Bel Airs. And then Here We Go, Live at the Funhouse by Run DMC. Just a few of the samples. Also, keep them eager to listen. Chocolate Buttermilk by Cool and the Gang in 1969. And also Message from the Meters by Funk Incorporated. That Chocolate Buttermilk actually was sampled in two songs, both to keep them eager to listen and also in No Omega. No Omega also had You've Gotta Have a Mother for Me by James Brown. I Need Help, I Can't Do It Alone by James Brown. And Chocolate Buttermilk by Cool and the Gang also in No Omega. So very interesting samples here. And they dug a lot for these samples. What I really like to do with going on to who sampled and pulling up these tracks and listening to the originals and then also listening to how it's also flipped. And as I talked with a couple of different albums earlier this year that were done in 1990, Tribe Called Quest, People's Instinctive Travels and their Pats of Rhythms, Public Enemy, same type of production that you get from there from both uh, Q-Tip and Ali Shaheed Muhammad and then also from the Bomb Squad by the Pub by Public Enemy. You hear how hard charging these beats are and the drum breaks to me are really what pulls me in because it really drives the rhythm and that's literally how the rhythm hits you per the title of the album now we're going to get into notable quotables and this was as about as hard as a task for me to pull because there's so many notable quotables in this album being though that it's rock kim that i had to settle for one and no matter what one that i pick someone else is going to counter with a verse that's better and that's okay because you know what? <laughs> you try to pick a notable quotable, one specific one out of this whole album, and then try to make an argument bar none without any argument that that's the best verse on the album. Try. <laughs> I want you to, because I don't think that there is. I think that there's so many standout verses here that you're hard pressed to pick just one. And there isn't one that you can say, Oh, but you know, but wait a minute. What about this verse? Right. So my notable quotable comes from the title track. Let the rhythm hit him. And it's actually the first verse, which is the very first thing that you hear other than the beat and the beginning of the track by Rakim. I'm the arsenal. I got artillery, lyrics, of ammo, rounds of rhythm. Then I give him a piano. Bring a bulletproof fast, nothing to ricochet. Ready to aim at the brain, now what the tricker say. Tempo's trifling, felt like a rifle. Massage and melodies might go right through. Simultaneously like a Uzi, nothing can bruise me. Lyrics let up when the ladies don't lose me. So reload quickly, and you better hit me. And while I'm letting this fee fee get with me, you stepping with 007, better make it snappy. No time to do your hair, baby, the brothers are busting at me. Beats and bullets pass me, none will target. They don't want the R hit, but watch what the guard get. Quicker cause the tongue is the trigger, cause I'm real fast. Let off some rhythms at him, make him feel the blast. Penetrated the crazy rate, this ain't no 38. Hit him at point blank range and watch him radiate. Running out of ammunition, when I'm done with him, you ask me how I did it, I let the rhythm hit him. Now, I just tried to say that, right? <laughs> I've been practicing of trying to say this for the last 30, 45 minutes before I got on here. And I still, still couldn't nail it. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> now, if you grew up listening to this and you've been listening to this for 30 years, you could probably say this verse. Exactly like the way that Rakim spit it, but it's hard for me to have to do, but these are not easy rhymes to write and easy rhymes to spit, but this is what he was doing. And if you listen to this beat and how hard charging it is, 
everything just sort of flows. Like his pen game is immaculate. Like you cannot find a better writing and being able to deliver. Now you can argue about the delivery, whether or not, you know, whether his tone or the variation in his voice, whether, you know, you could say that he's monotone, but being able to deliver something like that on tempo and on rhythm at that tempo, lyricism like this, can't find it. You can't find it that often. There aren't many people that can do it like he can. Hence the reason why we name him one of the goats, if not the goat lyrically in hip hop. Now I put him up against anybody in a lot of different eras. And this is one verse that I picked. I could have picked a lot of others. <laughs> there are great verses on untouchables. There are great on in the ghetto. <laughs> I mean, run for cover. There's a lot. I had to pick this one because I needed to settle on something. And what I want to hear from y'all is you got any other standout verses? Yo, let us know on social media. We'll get your social media sandals later. But let us know if you got any other standout verses on here by the R, man. Because it's, it's a lot on here. And the more I listened to it, the more I got further into the verses. Like, really. And the thing, what, again, like I love is the storytelling on stuff like In the Ghetto and On Mahogany and On Run for Cover and the images he's playing in it the things, the devices that he uses to be able, like the metaphors and the similes and the things that he likens things to as, it's just, like, where did you come up with that from, dog? Like, seriously, <laughs> it's just crazy. It's crazy. So now we're going to get into the ultimate test, the test of time to see what kind of classic it is, to see whether it's a certified classic, borderline classic, just a classic in its time or not a classic at all. And... I went into listening to it the first couple of times saying that this was to me a borderline classic because there were some things that I weren't grasping onto the first couple of times I listened to it. But after listening to it the next five times and then also doing the research myself and then really digging into what the rhymes were saying in the production and seeing the backstory of this album and seeing the reaction to the 30th anniversary of this album on social media from not just fans, but from people in the industry themselves. And we're talking about contemporaries, LL Cool J. We're talking about folks like Kid Capri. We're talking about, you know, Fat Joe, people like this that talked about this album and how critical it was for them, not just as artists, as a fellow artist and a contemporary was putting something out, but as fans, and Rakim is one of the few rappers that I know out there. And Eric B and Rakim as a group are one of the few groups. And Rakim as an MC himself are one of the few acts in hip hop that you know that, yo, people that are some of your heroes will stand out over them. Like, seriously. Like, seriously, fanboy and fangirl over Eric B and Rakim. And they had a great discography. And seeing the reaction to this album and really being able to grasp just what its impact was on a lot of people who listen to it. It's certified classic for me. It is. Now we can talk about what its stance is within Eric B and Rakim's discography. And I asked that question today on Twitter. Now, for those of you at vault classic and also my personal Twitter at its lesson can go and you can weigh in there. I said, how do you rank the albums in their discography? Paid in full, follow the leader, let the rhythm hit them. Don't sweat the technique. And I had a few couple of a few responses that people talked to me and a few said in the order they were released, which I've heard that before, too. You would do them exactly 
ranked them from top to bottom in the order they were released. Some has also said, hey, you can really flip-flop, follow the leader, and also let the rhythm hit them. As a matter of fact, shout out to my boy Jamie Starr on, uh, in Connecticut. Definitely my man who listens to us, a faithful listener. He said that he would switch the two of them. Now, I could make that argument too. You switch, follow the leader, and let the rhythm hit them. Some people would just leave them in that order, which is not really a big of an argument because I think everyone, for the most part, the majority of us feel as though pay the full is on top, no matter what. And then once you get it there, what's in two and three really starts the conversation. Now, most people will probably put don't sweat the technique at the bottom. And I think at that point they were getting near the end. But, I mean, it's not a bad album, but it's a very good one. So that's where I think let the rhythm hit them sort of falls right there in the middle. You can kind of sort of flip-flop that and follow the leader. But it's a great album. And after listening to it, the more I listened to it, the more that I liked it and the more I was reminded by the skill and the career that these two brothers have put in. So definitely go and listen to it. Eric B. and Rakim, Let the Rhythm Hit Them, released June 19th, 1990, 30 years ago. Please go check it out wherever you're able to listen to music. Go and listen to it and marvel not just in the production, but of the mastery of the microphone by the microphone god Rakim. Trust me. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are checking us out on our host, vaultcmr.podbean.com. You can also download, stream, and subscribe to The Vault Classic Music Reviews on any one of our streaming platforms. If you go to any one of our social media sites in the bio, you will find our link tree. In the link tree, you will see all of our social media handles, and you can go there and follow us. Just a reminder for those of you out there, at Vault CMR Podcast on Instagram, at Vault Classic on Twitter, on Facebook, and also on YouTube. You can search the Vault Classic Music Reviews. Make sure that you subscribe, also like, and follow us there. Every time we upload our our episodes, it gets posted to all of our social media channels. And on YouTube, we usually post the newest episode on the day after the episode comes out for those who want to make sure they check it out there on YouTube as well. We appreciate all the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate, and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at IVECRE8.